It was on a March night 25 years ago when the helicopter and sirens woke up a Los Angeles plumber named George Holliday. From the balcony of his apartment, the footage he recorded on his Sony Handicam over the next nine minutes of Rodney King being beaten by LAPD officers is perhaps second only to the Zapruder film of the JFK assassination in its impact on public life. Today, a video camera rests in every hip pocket smartphone and myriad videos of cops versus black men and women have altered politics and culture. The high-profile Black Lives Matter activist and former teacher DeRay McKesson is a child of that early viral video and the ripples it created. You were not quite six years old when Rodney King was beaten and the world saw the video. Do you remember seeing it? I remember seeing it briefly. I, rem I more so remember the conversations about Rodney King um, and the conversations about policing. Though at that time, I, I and I think so many of the people that I grew up with uh, saw this as an isolated event that only happened uh, that one time and it led to unrest uh, there, but I never thought that it could be close to me. What was your experience of the police growing up where you did? Yeah, so my father tried to make sure that we uh, weren't out much when we were younger. Um, but I remember when I was 10, there was a drug bust right in front of my house as I was outside uh, in the in the yard. And I'll never forget it because there's a guy on a bike and then these like five or six undercar officers come chasing him down and, and they jump on him and they arrest him. And that was like the first time I'd ever seen the police arrest people. And then when I was an adult here in Baltimore, um, I was pulled over for a traffic stop, and the officer approached my door with his uh, gun drawn. And that was, like, in 2009. And, and and then I still thought that these were, like, isolated events, that this wasn't happening. Uh, and now I know that not to be true. In the years, the decades since Rodney King, we've seen technology bring more and more of these incidents and these discussions to public attention. It's really profoundly altered policing and the perception of policing. Yeah, you know, technology has completely changed the way we think about the public sphere. It's also flattened the way that we communicate with each other, that, that newsmakers are people uh, in homes and in communities, not just people in uh, TV studios anymore, and that's really powerful. And we have known these things have been happening in our communities for a long time. We just have not been able to talk to each other about it. And technology, Twitter specifically, Facebook specifically, have allowed us to talk to each other about uh, the world we live in in ways that we could not before. Um, we've had over the course of the last 50 years uh, the, the nature of um, a movement of African-American empowerment through Martin Luther King. We've seen a different kind in the Black Panther Party with Black Lives Matter. Where do you see that kind of movement and its related movements going? And where do you see them taking the country? Yes, I'm mindful that we did not discover injustice last August, and we didn't invent resistance, right? That we, we exist in a legacy of struggle. I think that what comes next in the movement is that there's a bucket around coalition building. So can we build entrances to the movement for people who might not have shared goals but have shared outcomes? Do you think about the gun control lobby? We don't have the same goals, but we all want to live in the same world where there's not mass shootings. Do you think about the climate change people, the environmentalists, don't have the same goals, all want to live in the same world uh, where there's not dirty water like it is in Flint? And then I, I do think that you'll see people run for office, be on school boards, be on commissions, uh, working to change the system from within. 
When you say August, you're referring to the Ferguson shooting in August of 2014 that really revived a lot of this interest, attention, and activism. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm specifically talking about the death of Mike Brown, which I think changed uh, the way that so many people in my generation understood their own power and their ability to push systems and structures to be better. With the election of President Obama, who's now finishing his second term, we heard so much about a post-racial America. What What is that? And is that even a possibility? Yeah, so we, we know it's not true. And we know that race continues to function in this America in ways that we have to talk about so that we can mitigate its harm. Uh, that racism is real, that the impact of racism continues to be present. We see it in housing discrimination and policing and education. Uh, and, and because President Obama is president does not mean that race has gone away. It does mean that there are some places where there is more access than there was before. Again, access itself is not an indication of the end of racism. Uh, it is an indication that there has been progress made. The idea of white privilege is something that Black Lives Matter people often mention. At the same time, working class white males are becoming a minority in this country. Yes, yeah, so it's not a matter of numbers. It's a matter of the impact of uh, power. So white privilege is the benefits that result from whiteness being seen as standard, as the normative, uh, regardless of gender and income. You think about redlining in communities. Uh, you think about how Band-Aids uh, that are skin tone look a color that is not the color of my skin. Uh, you think about the books that you read where the characters are assumed white. So many things culturally and also structurally, how people were systemically denied access to housing loans, uh, how groups of people were not taught to read, enslavement. So there's a legacy from that with white being seen as the standard. I think that we can get to a place where we appreciate people's culture uh, without having it be normative in the sense of being good or bad. My daddy Alabama, mama Louisiana. You mix that Negro with that Creole, make a Texas Bama. There was a skit on Saturday Night Live where white people who like Beyonce's music were astonished to hear her singing about being black. Honey, get in here. I think Beyonce is black. Beyonce is a black woman, but also a rich and famous woman. Is class becoming a bigger determinant than race? No, race ha has been and will continue to be until we address it head on an issue uh, in America. I think that what Beyonce did so powerfully in the video uh, was highlight the complexity of blackness in all of its forms um, and also reflect some of the social issues of the day with regard to police violence, with regard to uh, community safety, uh, and highlighting the importance of culture itself. Uh, the Black Lives Matter um, movement has been in a lot of places. The hashtag was and still is immensely popular. Where has it been effective and where has it not? You know, the thing about hashtags is like the paper clips of the Internet. And what the hashtag has done is it has brought people into a conversation and helped people find a conversation that's happening about race and policing and race and justice and race and identity in ways that there was just not public space for before. I think that's really powerful. In terms of where it's not effective, I, there's some people who dismiss the idea of racism uh, and its reality. 
and also just don't want to talk about this stuff. And and I think that is really hard because until we talk about it, we'll never be able to, to actually undo racism. Is it divisive? Because politicians have been asked, do Black Lives Matter? The response is, all lives matter. And for some people, that hasn't gone down very well. You know, so the, so the hashtag itself is not dismissive. And the all lives matter statement is has been one of the most often used distractions in the movement. If I went to a breast cancer rally, it wouldn't be okay for somebody to say, oh, well, you know, colon cancer matters. It is not, you know, people at a breast cancer rally aren't saying that colon cancer doesn't matter. They are saying that they're specifically focused on one issue right now. And that is what the movement is saying, is that we're focused on one issue, uh, you know, in the movement space, and that's really important. It doesn't make any other issue less important. You must have faith in the mechanics of governance, if not the people who occupy it now, because you're running for mayor of Baltimore. Do you think the system can work, even if it doesn't now? Yeah, I think that protest in and of itself is an inherently political act. People push the system because... Uh, they know the bearing that it has on people's lives. I can't breathe! I can't breathe! I can't breathe! Black lives matter! Black lives matter! Black lives matter! Take it, sir! That's a lie! We charge you with genocide! Take it, sir! That's a lie! We charge you with genocide! You're also one of the people behind the website, uh, We the Protesters which is about protests, about how to protest, and, and almost a, a, a map, a guidebook for bringing issues to public attention. Yeah, so We the Protesters and Campaign Zero, which is our policy platform, what we wanted to do with We the Protesters uh, way back when we made it was to create a space where people could find the chants in the videos and in the posters uh, if they wanted to create these types of spaces in their neighborhoods. And then what we did with Campaign Zero was help people see exactly from a policy standpoint about how uh, the world can change to be in honor of people's lives as opposed to against their lives. At any point, do you see an end for the need for this kind of protest when principal demands are met, when there are people like you and your protest colleagues in position of authority? We shouldn't have to protest. That should not be part of how people have to go through the world. I think that a part of what it means to be in democracy, though, is that people should uh, and can and must challenge the government to uh, to live up to its commitments and to, and to do right by people. So I think that, you know, the movement started around issues of police uh, violence and accountability. I'm sure that in in a few years, there are other issues that people organize and mobilize around. I think that is what keeps the government honest, if it is honest at all. Your famous blue Patagonia vest has its own Twitter account and recently posted that it smells of struggle, tear gas, and liberation. What's with the vest? <laughs> you know, it was cold. That's what it was the vest. It makes me feel safe. It's completely irrational. I think about in Baltimore when I got a death threat at the movie theater and they evacuated the movie theater. Uh, I wasn't nervous at all. The vest just makes me feel safe. It's not bulletproof. It's a regular Patagonia vest, but but I love it. It's original? You don't have a backup? Just one vest to rule them all. Just one vest. I hadn't taken you for a Lord of the Rings man. (laughs) I'm happy you got the reference. Some people, they completely miss it, but I appreciate that you got it. Would you have any books that you would recommend to to people who are listening or reading this to to understand what you're about and where you think uh, the, the, the country should be paying attention? Uh, Michelle Alexander's um, 
the new Jim Crow is important for people. Dee Watkins is the Beast Side uh, is a very different book from Michelle's and, and and also really important. And then Just Mercy by Brian Stevenson is a powerful read. Now, to bring the conversation back to where it began, to Rodney King, the beating on video 25 years ago. Year after that, the riots that ensued. Rodney King came out and said, I just want to say, you know, can we can we all get along? Can we can we get along? That wasn't a rhetorical question. Can we? You know, we all have to be willing to show up at the table. And the we is not just the public. The we is the police. The we is the mayor's office. The we is the governor's office. The we are gun manufacturers. So, so yes, we can. Uh, we need to be thoughtful, though, about who the we is and making sure that everybody comes to the table uh, and offers like what they can do to make the world a, a place that works for people. DeRay McKesson, who is active in Black Lives Matter and other movements, including the website We the Protesters, now a candidate for mayor of Baltimore. Thank you so much. Thank you. Pat Morrison Asks is produced for the Los Angeles Times by Pat Morrison. It's edited and engineered by Todd G. Levin. Audio clips are from NBCNews.com and CNN. I am Pat Morrison. Pat Morrison.